Revelation chapter 2, starting verse 1. It's on page 1028 of the Church Bibles. Let's listen to God's word. To the angel of the church in Ephesus, write the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet this you have, you hate the work of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. This is the word of God. Let me pray for God's help. Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you for your word and we pray that we would hear it as your word, that these aren't uh, mere words of men, these aren't uh, just fanciful ideas, but these are the words of the living God and we pray that we would receive it rightly. Uh, We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're beginning today uh, the first of seven letters to the seven churches. So Revelation is a book or a letter sent to the whole church. It's sent to Christ Church Central Leeds here, in fact, because we have it today. But within Revelation, there are seven mini letters to seven different churches. So you can see, if you just quickly scan the headings, you can see the first one is to Ephesus, then to Smyrna and Pergamum and Thyatira. Seven churches John is writing to. And each of these letters are kind of like a health check or a diagnosis of the churches. So Jesus opens up these churches to tell them how they're really doing. And some are okay, uh, some are okay but have one big problem, a bit like Ephesus here, uh, and others are, are just disasters. And so it's a real mixed bag we have here. Uh, and all these churches, they're real churches, well, they were back in the day, uh, real Christians in real cities, and ancient Ephesus. Uh, which is the church we're, we're looking at today. Uh, that's in modern-day Turkey, and you can travel to, to ancient Ephesus in about five hours from, if you fly from Leeds-Bradford Airport. So it's a real place, uh, and it was a real church at the time. And so this is a letter for specific people in Ephesus to hear. But it's also no coincidence that, that there are seven letters and seven churches here. Uh, seven is the, the number of perfection or completion in the Bible. And so it's kind of like if you put all these letters together, you have a letter for the whole church. Uh, the whole complete church is to hear this. So yes, this is targeted at one church. But actually all of these letters are for the whole universal church. It's kind of like Christ is saying... Hey, everyone, I'm speaking to the Ephesians here about something, but but I want everyone to listen up and to listen into this. This is for you too. You, the church in Leeds, this is for you too. 
And so because all these churches are, are pretty mixed up, some bits good and a lot bad, uh, it goes to show that the church, wherever you go, is never perfect. Every church has its problems. There is sin in every church. So if you sometimes think, uh, you kind of look at the landscape of the church and you just think, what is going on with the church? Why are Christians and churches behaving like that? Why do some people believe just pretty crazy things? And why do some people, uh, why are they very faithful? Why is there so much sin and corruption and, and apathy and laziness in the church? And to all those questions, Jesus says, yeah, I know. The church, this side of heaven, is not sin-free. It's a real mixed bag. And Jesus is addressing the whole church here to speak exactly about that issue, sin in the church. And that's why he's writing to Ephesus. And notice how this letter begins to the Ephesians. In chapter uh, 1, John sees a vision of Jesus. And Jesus says to John, this is John the Apostle, one of the disciples, Jesus says to John in this vision, in chapter 2, verse 1, to the angel of the church in Ephesus, write this. Jesus says, you, John, write what I'm about to tell you and write it to the angel in the church in Ephesus. Now, this is where we say, well, hold up. Firstly, uh, what do you mean by angel? (laughs) And secondly, I thought this was written to a church. Why is it being addressed to an angel? Uh, Well, we don't have time to get into it all, uh, but John seems to be writing to an angel in heaven who represents the church in Ephesus on earth. And so by writing to this angel, uh, John is also writing to the actual human church. Kind of two things happening here. And I think the point here is not to tell us about angels and and how angels work, uh, but the point is to show us that, that there is a heavenly reality to all that goes on in the church. So yes, this letter is sent to Ephesus over in Asia, but we see here more is going on than just a physical letter of of paper and ink being sent. When this letter is sent, there is a deeper spiritual heavenly reality to it. So Jesus isn't just giving his church advice here. He's opening up the church and doing a heavenly spiritual diagnosis of this church. You can think of it like this. The veil of this world is being torn open to reveal the deeper reality behind the church. We're seeing what's really going on here. And this is what happens in all of Revelation, and we'll see this in the rest of the letters. The veil of our world is torn open to reveal the spiritual and heavenly reality behind it all. And here, in chapter 2, look what it says about what's really going on in the church. Look what it says about Jesus in verse 1. These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. It says Jesus walks among the seven golden lampstands. And these lampstands represent these seven churches and these seven written, uh, with these seven letters being written to. So uh, as the veil is pulled open, we see something. We see Jesus walks among his churches. And this is my first point today. Jesus walks among us. Jesus walks among us. So as reality is being torn open here and and John gazes at Christ, uh, Christ is doing something. He's walking among seven golden lampstands. 
So you can kind of picture uh, seven giant golden candlesticks uh, with a flame on top. And Christ is weaving in and out of these uh, lampstands, going to one and and checking on it, and going to another, uh, watching them all, inspecting them, caring for them, making sure the flame doesn't go out. Uh, And in the book of Revelation, uh, when you see a picture like this, it it means something. It it symbolizes something. And Jesus helpfully tells us what this means. So uh, look at uh, chapter 1, verse 20, so just before. Jesus says at the very end, the seven lampstands are the seven churches. It's nice and easy. There's lots of uh, interesting stuff in Revelation. And sometimes we don't get an easy explanation like this. But thankfully, we have an easy explanation. The seven lampstands are the seven churches. And it's not random that they're lampstands. Uh, The fire of the lampstand represents the Holy Spirit's presence in the church. The church is alive because the Holy Spirit, uh, because it has the Holy Spirit. Uh, But also, it's a lampstand because the church is a light to the world. The church is meant to be a witness to the world about God and salvation and Christ Jesus. Uh, The church is meant to shine light into the darkness of the world. And in this scene, Jesus walks among these seven churches. Jesus watches these churches. He cares for them and and tends to them. He analyzes them and and he knows them deeply. And that's exactly why in verse 2, Jesus says to Ephesus, I know your works. Jesus knows. Jesus really knows his church. And he knows each individual local church because by his spirit, he's always with his church. He walks among his church. He walks among us. So Jesus hasn't created his church, kind of wound it up and just let it go and left it to do its thing. No, Jesus, by his spirit, is always with his church, caring for it, watching it, knowing it. Jesus said before he went into heaven, he said, I am with you always. And he really meant that. Jesus knows everything going on here in Christchurch Central Leeds. He knows your services. He knows your community groups. He knows your Bible study. He knows your efforts and your struggles and your faithfulness. So don't ever think Jesus is up there, detached and distant from his church. Never. He knows you because he walks among you. Jesus walks among us. And for the church in Ephesus, he knows something in particular. Uh, He knows their good works. And it's my second point today. Jesus knows your good works. Jesus knows your good works. So uh, look at verse 2 again with me. Jesus says, I know your works. And he highlights what kind of works he knows. He says, your toil and your patient endurance. And again, uh, in verse 3, he says, I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. This church has persevered in the faith. It hasn't been easy living as a Christian in Ephesus. It's not easy living as a Christian anywhere. There's always opposition from the world and temptations. The sin in your heart drags you down, and the fight is hard. But this church, it's a great example of one that that just kept going. And Jesus says, that is a really good thing. 
And if you here today feel like the Christian life is just hard, like it's a slog, but you just keep going, you think, this is really hard, but but there is no way that I'm going to stop or turn back. I'm just going to keep going and following Jesus. Jesus says, that is a really good thing. Jesus knows you do that, and he says, well done. That is really good. And something else is good in this church. Uh, They weren't taken in by false teaching either. So look in verse 2. Jesus says, I know how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. So there were likely a group of people, a few people coming in, uh, coming into the church saying, uh, we're, we're a part of the apostles. We bring the real teaching of the church to you guys. And the Ephesian church, they were having none of it. They tested them and questioned them. And uh, they were saying, is what you're saying, what scripture says, uh, is that true teaching? Uh, are you just telling me what we want to hear or are you teaching the word of God? And they tested them, and they realized that they weren't apostles. They were false. They they weren't teaching the word of God. And Jesus says to that church, well done. That is really good. Jesus really cares what is taught in his church. Jesus cares what is said in the pulpit or the music stand. And so we should really care what is said in the pulpit. Hopefully, uh, you'll stay in this church for a while, here in Christchurch Central Leeds. But if you do happen to move, or you uh, look for another church, uh, above all, prioritise what they teach. Uh, Jesus really cares about that. It's very easy to judge a church by its uh, music, or its singing, or, or the type of songs they sing. But nowhere in the New Testament is music made the important thing about a church. Book after book, it's all about the teaching. So if you do ever go to another church, uh, can I say, test the teaching. Be like this church, test the teaching. Care about the teaching because Jesus cares about it a lot. And Jesus commends the church in Ephesus about this. This is a really good thing. But uh, not everything is rosy in this church. There's also a serious issue. Uh, For all their good and their perseverance and their excellent teaching, there's one big thing Jesus addresses. In verse 4, Jesus says, But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. They don't love Jesus the way they used to. And that's a serious issue. Jesus wants their love And this is my third point today. Jesus wants your love. Jesus wants your love. So uh, look again at Jesus' words in verse 4. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. This church doesn't love Jesus the way they used to. Uh, But but what does that mean? (laughs) They, They seem to love Jesus, don't they? They're, they're persevering, that they're enduring hardship for the sake of Jesus. They aren't tolerating false apostles. The church internally is doing really well, isn't it? So the problem isn't how the church is relating to itself 
and its conduct and its teaching internally, the problem is how the church is relating to the world. This problem is about evangelism. This is about their witness to the world. And that's why Jesus doesn't say that they've abandoned their love entirely. But look what he says. You have abandoned the love you had at first. It's a first love. It's an enthusiastic, cannot help but declare it to the world, first love. I'm kind of in that stage with my little daughter Lydia. Uh, I'm so in love with her. Don't worry, I won't get too soppy. Uh, But I think that she is so amazing. Um, And I just kind of, I have to tell everyone about her. Um, I have to show her to everyone. And I'll probably be like that with you all later. I'm going to show her to you. You can't stop me. Um, uh, I'm always like, hey guys, check out how cute my baby is. Uh, She's so amazing. Isn't she so cute? And I'll, I'll show people photos if she's not in the room. Uh, I have that first exciting, enthusiastic, cannot help but tell everyone kind of love. And that's the first love Jesus is talking about here. But he says to this church, you have abandoned that love. He says, you've lost your enthusiasm about me. You don't tell people about me. You don't want people to know me. You you don't invite people to church to hear from me. You don't mention me to your neighbours. Where's your evangelism disappeared to? You used to do that at first, but, but you don't anymore. Why don't you love me like you used to? I used to live with a guy in uni that was a new Christian. And he was so enthusiastic and bold to speak about Jesus. Uh, to, to anyone really uh, we would have friends over in the house and, and he'd be so willing to, to mention Jesus to them and, and you often see that with new believers uh, Jesus is kind of at the forefront of their mind and at the tip of their tongue so they're so ready to talk about him so eager and that's because they're in that first love honeymoon stage the, the reality of what Jesus has done for them his salvation his, his grace his love is so vivid to them They can't help but share it. But but as we get further along in the Christian life, yes, our teaching can can become better. We can know what is false teaching and be sure of that and stay away from that. We can read all the books. We can be steadfast in our walk, never swerving from the truth, continuing in the slog. But in all of that, we can so easily just forget to speak about Jesus to others. We can neglect evangelism. It's, it's very easy. We can abandon the love we had at first. So let's ask ourselves, when was the last time we spoke to someone about Jesus? Have we abandoned the love we had at first? There's a reason this is a letter meant for the whole church to hear, because this is so common for all of us. We can get all the doctrine right, find our Christian friends and, and stick with them and, and find a good church and just be content with that. But then, forget to tell anyone about Jesus. And to that, Jesus asks, why don't you love me the way you used to? What happened to that first love? Jesus wants your love. But this isn't a hopeless cause. Jesus knows his church. He knows we so easily fail here. 
He knows us, and so he calls the church to do something. He calls us to do something today. Look in verse 5. Verse 5, Jesus says, remember. Remember that first love. And this is my fourth and final point today. Remember that first love. So Jesus says in verse 5, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen Remember where you used to be, but have fallen from. Remember that first love. Now, you may know that feeling of the first time you experienced the grace of Christ and you heard his, his forgiveness proclaimed over you. And you remember that it was just like a breath of fresh air in your life. Well, Jesus says, remember that. If you remember that, Jesus says, remember that. Keep remembering it. Or maybe you've always been a Christian. You were born into a Christian family and you were just raised as a Christian. And you can never really kind of pinpoint a honeymoon phase. Well, even then, there will have been times in your life where the grace of Christ has felt new to your life. Like you felt the fresh air of forgiveness in your life in new ways. And his grace has been so comforting to you. Well, Jesus says, don't forget that. Remember it. Bring it to mind. Remember what Jesus has done for you. But not just that. Jesus says, act on it. Verse 5. Jesus says, repent and do the works you did at first. Jesus says, turn from your lack of love and start telling people about Jesus. Invite people over to the house and, and mention that you're a Christian and, and tell them what that means. Invite your neighbours to church. Be bold in speaking to your friends at school. Don't be embarrassed to mention the name Jesus. Run that Hope Explored course in church. Jesus says, remember what I've done for you. And now tell people that they can have that too. And this is, isn't just an optional add-on for the church. This isn't just an optional extra. This is essential to church life, Jesus says. Because a church that doesn't evangelise won't be any church at all. So look at the end of verse 5. Jesus says, If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. A church... That doesn't return to that first love at a church that neglects to evangelize and reach the lost. Uh, Jesus will remove it entirely. He, he says he will remove the lampstand. It, it will cease to exist. You sometimes hear of uh, dying churches that, that eventually close down. And then afterwards you, you find out what kind of church they were. Uh, and you, kind of, you hear the reports like, oh, they never evangelized. They just stuck to themselves. Well, that church, no one even knew who they were. And you can think to yourself, oh, well, well, of course they failed. That was a bad strategy. That was a bad business plan. If no one new comes in, well, then obviously the church will shrink and eventually die. And you can kind of see that situation and think about it in a kind of a business way, like it was just a bad business plan. But, but no, here we see the reality of why those churches died. They abandoned their first love and Christ removed their lampstand. That church died because that was Christ's judgment on them. 
But to be a lampstand, it's to shine light, isn't it? To be a church is to witness, to, to make the light of Christ shine in the darkness, giving truth and hope and life. It's integral to the health of the church. But this call to repent, it's not a way to save yourself. It's not like the more Christianity explored courses you run, the more secure your salvation will be. No, this is a wake-up call for the church. This is a wake-up call from Jesus to not fall into complacency, to not become a lifeless, loveless church that, that actually really isn't interested in sharing Jesus at all. This is a wake-up call to remember. Remember all that Jesus has done for you and to realise, oh man, everyone needs to hear of this. Jesus is so kind and merciful. Forgiveness of sins is in him. Salvation is in him. Is in him. Hope and meaning is, is in him. How can I not let the world know? And Jesus reminds us the promise of eternal life is in him too. Look at verse 7. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. To the one who does not abandon this love forever, eternal life awaits you. Do you remember what Christ has done for you? Do you know what he did when he loved you that first time with that saving love? He said to you, sinner, you will eat from the tree of life. Now that is something to shout about. Let's remember that. And let's never forget it. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we ask for your forgiveness in how we have failed in in so many ways in abandoning that first love and we pray that you would restore that to us that we would remember and repent and we thank you for the forgiveness that is in the Lord Jesus who upholds this church and watches us and gives us the strength to carry on keep our eyes on him today and the rest of the week we pray this in Jesus name Amen